0: hey everybody economic ninja here i hope you're doing good beautiful day wanted to come out here early there's no wind beautiful day at the beach uh i want to talk to you about the fed and the fed tapering this year now they just made the decision and they said that they're looking to raise rates in 2022 and they said they're going to bring rates about to right around below one percent now a lot of people today say you know that's not that big of a deal ninja what's one percent well if you consider that right now the fed funds rate sits between zero and a quarter percent, that's an increase of like 300%. I mean, that's I some fast ninja math, and you guys know that I'm not the best with math. But that is a lot of increase over the next year. Now, I would, the first thing that comes to my mind, and the thing that I would challenge is that companies are already so stressed with debt right now that it is so hard for them to make ends meet. Their margins are slim because they're having to compete with all these other companies and they're dealing with supply chain issues and all kinds of problems, especially employment. Um, to be able to hold on to good employees right now for a lot of companies is very difficult, depending on you know how much they're paying and the benefits and all that kind of stuff. So it's very hard for these companies to survive, right? It's one thing if you have the product to sell and there's customers the problem is a lot of companies don't have the product to sell because there's only supply chain issues okay so right now the one thing that's keeping them afloat these companies all over the world but let's just focus right now in the us because of the federal reserve is super low interest rates being able to borrow money to keep their operations going at low rates all right now one thing about the federal reserve funds rate the fed funds rate is that it does affect all other rates. I want people to understand that. Even if they raise rates tomorrow, it doesn't mean that all these other interest rates, whether it be credit card debt, um, you know, car payments, mortgages, or um, any other debt like business debt that companies would take on, it won't affect them tomorrow, but it does start, um, if the Fed tends to raise rates, then eventually all rates rise because what happens is there's a juggling back and forth of um, debt and risk, right? Especially when you talk about large institutional investors, because a lot of large institutional, I'm sorry, uh, lending, uh, houses, they sit there and they mitigate their risk and they say, look, if the fed is at 0% and we could take on a certain amount of risk and make X percent, let's say three to 4%. Okay. There you go. But as the fed raises their rates, they go, well, you know what, that's really to them, ultra secure, uh, money, you know, in an investment, they say, why would I want to take on this much uh, risk and make, you know, this much interest where I could take on a lot less risk and make less interest. But a lot of times it's risk management. Okay. So eventually these rates, as the Fed raises rates and lowers rates, they equalize throughout the industry and eventually the world, because still, as of today, the Fed is uh, looked as and the dollar as the, the golden Compass, let's say, but that I believe is changing, and I think all of you would agree. So, the biggest question is when they start to raise, and they start to pull back, and they start to taper. Is there going to be the quote-unquote taper tantrum that everybody talks about? And the taper tantrum essentially is that even though the markets want you know a stronger dollar, you know more uh, return for their money, the problem is only a certain segment of the market wants that. The rest of the market loves that low interest. It's like. It's like a drug, essentially. Once you get addicted to it, you just want more and more of it. Well, eventually, when the Fed does uh, raise the rates, there's going to be some sort of tantrum when it comes to the stock market and general overall business uh, nationwide, because it's going to cost more to borrow money and to service debt, especially debt that is adjustable rate uh, debt. So the question is this in 2022 everyone's asking this famous question if q1 is hard for stocks because of federal reserve tightening okay the federal reserve actually does what they say and honestly i actually think there is crazy they're crazy enough to do it (laughs) to be honest with you because it almost seems their backs up against the wall you know they're at zero or pretty much zero um and if you start adding in fees and all kinds everyone's paying pretty much negative rates (sighs) At a certain point, they've got to raise rates, right? And uh, if they do it, and quarter one turns out to be as bad as some people think, like myself, could be. And again, I'm not a financial advisor, not an investment professional. Um, If quarter one stock market start to be affected because of a taper tantrum that's going on, Could we see a repeat of what happened in 2016? Now in 2016, it was very interesting because we saw the stock market go down and gold run up. And gold actually made quite an an uptick uh, because of the fear that was going on in the stock market. Now, people still ran to dollars, but the difference between now and 2016, I believe personally, is that too many people have woken up worldwide, especially governments and central banks worldwide, to the Ponzi scheme that's been going on with the U.S. dollar. And they were saying enough is enough. So even though in 2016, gold rise and uh, the U.S. dollar, people were also flooding into the dollar as a safe haven asset, I think this time you're going to see more people running into gold than uh, ran into gold in 2016. So if that happens again, we're going to have a really great year for the price of gold. Now, 2021 was a down year for gold, right? Or let's say... it the way it ended up was a lot less than people wanted or expected because of this out of control money printing by the Federal Reserve. But here's the good news. In the last century, there has never been two years uh, in a row of consecutive down years for gold. So there has never been in the last century, in this century, sorry, uh, two years in a row where we've seen a down year for gold. So that's really exciting. So which means 2022 is likely If you look at past historical trends, it is likely to be an up year for gold. So that's good. And a lot of people think, and if you look at the price of gold now, being where it keeps um, running up and hitting 1800 if you look at that in comparison to what happened in 2010, you go, wow, I mean, you're just hitting what it did way back then. That means gold is considered very cheap. And I believe it is, personally, that's my personal opinion, because of the sheer amount of money um, that central banks have been planning or, sorry, planning, printing worldwide. Now, the thing about gold people need to realize too is again, not only is it a safe haven asset, it is something that people finally dive into almost when it's too late, when everybody figures it out. Like the inflation of 1970s, gold didn't really start making its parabolic move until the very end of that massive inflationary wave that hit our country. So I think that's something really important to take a look at. Now, the biggest question is, and people are asking me this all the time, how do you leverage it? Right. Uh, I've had a lot of people on because I've been talking about stocks, because what I do is I try to be prepared for the next wave. And it doesn't always mes- necessarily mean I'm throwing all my money into something like what I do with cryptos. I-, I waded into the waters. I studied. I found the projects I wanted to be a part of. I started researching the different cycles, and I didn't throw all my money in at once, right? So I wanted to be a prepared investor, a lot different than like it was when I was younger, okay? I would just throw money into something because I thought I was going to go, you know, my $1 was going to turn into a million dollars, and that's how it worked, but that's not how it works. So again, we always want to be prepared with knowledge, And with money off to the side, that dry powder, ready to put it to work, okay? So a lot of people ask, how do you leverage it? So again, I'm going to bring you another idea, a company that um, I actually am looking at. I don't currently own it right now, but I like the management. I like who is invested in this company. I reached out to them, and they actually uh, offered to sponsor this segment, and I thought, Heck yeah, this is awesome. And I wanna to talk to you about it and show you some things about this company that I really do believe sets it apart from the rest. So one thing I want you to know is this company, unlike the other ones that I've talked about, is on the NYSE Stock Exchange, the New York Stock Exchange, which means almost any broker or every broker should have access to this stock. It's not an over-the-counter stock and it is a junior miner. It's not a resource company. So that's really exciting too. But really what it comes down to is how they bought the assets and when. And that is very important. So here we go. The company I want to talk about is Gold Mining Inc. The company trades on the NYSE SE, like I said, so everybody should be able to, no matter what your app is on your phone that you use, you should be able to take a look at it and research it and I'm, I'm going to actually link information about the company below um, so that you can do all your due diligence, okay? But we want to talk about some things that I've been talking about before, things that I like about companies and how they run their operations and, um, and again, I want you to be channeling into those things because if the Federal Reserve does actually go through with their quantitative easing. It's one thing to say it, and then it's another thing to do it, right? Because there could be from now until, let's say, the end of first quarter when they start saying, okay, we're going to raise rates, there could be a myriad of things <coughs> Excuse me, that happen that could cause them to, oh, well, this isn't the time. But chances are they're going to go through with this because <laughs> I think the world is pretty much primed for this now. Okay, so now this company, Gold Mining Inc., the company has been in business for over a decade. And I'm going to put the, uh, the ticker up here so you guys can see the ticker, the American ticker for the company. The company's been in business for over a decade and has been buying assets during a, the previous bear market. And we're going to get into that at the end because I think that is the key and that is what I am all about. The Economic Ninja is about buying things that everybody doesn't like they don't want anything to do with because you're buying them che- that's when the prices are cheap then you're going to sell it to the masses like I did in 2006 when I unloaded all my real estate because I had bought it in 2001 when people were like why would you buy real estate it's we're at the end of a bull bear market or a bull market and we just had the dot com bust okay so i like to buy things cheap when people don't care and then i want to sell it to everybody when they're freaking out about it okay So the company, first off, is run by Amir Adnani, okay? He is huge, and if you haven't heard of him before, let me remind you of a couple projects that he just had and the success they had. Everyone's been talking about the uranium bull market, and we are in a uranium bull market. But the thing is, there are a few people that saw that bull market way ahead of time, and Amir is one of those people. He founded Uranium Energy Corp, And to give you an idea of the gains that company made in its stock price, if you look at March from 2020 to November of 2021, it had over a 1,000% return. He also founded Uranium Royalty Corp., which if you look again from March of 2020 to November of 2021, there was an 875% run-up. Those are massive gains, right? But that tells you the sheer amount of leverage you have when you have an asset that is considered not the the glory asset, the asset everybody wants, everyone's FOMOing in about, right? And you, you build assets around that asset class. And then when it starts to take off, like uranium has done in the last couple of years, you could see the absolute leverage. Uranium has not gone up. That much the, the, the cost of the actual material compared to what these stocks are doing, okay? So that's two of Amir Anani's uh, companies now. But Amir was working in gold before he was working uranium, and that's what's really important. Again, we're going to get at the very end of this video who's investing in the company and what they how they bought those assets. So a lot of people would ask, okay, or you might be asking, well, why this company? Why Gold Mining Incorporated? Uh, why would it be considered an opportunity? Well, first off, gold is not looked at today like it was in 2010 after the, um, the real estate bubble had popped and gold had this massive multi-year bull run. And it was just hitting its, its all-time highs, which was really exciting, right? But then it had a bear market and it came way down. And now it started to come back up. But if you look at the amount of money that's been printed in the last two years from this global crisis, as compared to what was printed back after the uh, real estate bubble, after the Lehman crisis, it is massive today. But yet people aren't getting it, right? And now we're just now starting to get the stories all around the world of inflation, right? This is what's going to start, in my opinion, turn people into um, gold bugs, rather than naysayers, okay? So the first thing about it being an opportunity, a possible opportunity, right? And these are the things I'm looking at. So the company, a couple points that I like is the company is showing reports that have some of the highest gold ounces in the ground of any junior mining company in the sector. That's that's really exciting. It's showing a little over 16 million ounces of M&I resource and a little over 16 million ounces of inferred resource, the uh, inferred gold, and that equals 32 million ounces. 32 million ounces is huge, right? Well, this is where it gets a little more exciting. Not only do they have that asset, right, the assets in the ground, that they've been doing drill results, all kinds of uh, reports on searching for the gold, uh, looking at where gold was previously found, all of that. They also have $20 million in liquid hard cash in the bank to fund operations. Now, you can't find that kind of cash sitting on the balance sheet of a junior mining company in about 99% of the junior mining companies in the world, okay? So that's also awesome because as an investor, one of the big things you want to look at is how much money do they have to continue their operations? How long can they go, their daily normal operations as a mining company, before they have to go and raise more money, either obtain debt or sell more shares. So that is really big. $20 million to keep their uh, operations going. So that's exciting. All right, now let's talk about the valuation because this is really important and this is what I was talking about in the beginning of the video. When you're talking about a company and its valuation, it's one thing to say how much gold or metals they believe is in the ground. Uh, It's one thing to also say, hey, how much cash we have in in our pockets, right? But this is what I really think is very, very important. It's how you bought the the properties and the metals themselves right and like I said before Admir Nani was working in gold way before uranium but remember he founded those uranium companies before the run-up in uranium so he obviously saw the long-term trend and what was coming in uranium well gold is no different you see gold mining inc and Admir had been a part of a purchasing program when uh Gold was starting to turn down and came down into a multi-year sort of uh, uh, pattern where it was leveling off and finding its base. You see, back after the the housing bubble, we saw a run-up of housing prices and assets. And then as they started to collapse, we saw a multi-year bull market in gold, right? But it peaked and it started to come down. Why? Because other assets around the world had found their base and people started to take their attention and move from gold into other assets like real estate in 2011-2012. Well, when these companies, when gold had topped around 2011-2012, the companies that had the the properties that now are under the ownership of Gold Mining Inc., their stock prices were making multi-year highs, they were exploding on a percentage basis, past the price of gold. They were just crushing it. The problem is, going back to that liquid cash on hand, when gold made its downturn and started heading down, a lot of these companies, lost the projects they had to sell why they didn't have enough dry powder to keep their operations going because they were hoping and betting on a higher and higher gold price to sustain their operations okay that's where gold mining inc came in and started picking up properties one by one and that's what's really exciting as the the turn in gold came down and all of a sudden the valuations these companies plummeted and they were needing money they had to sell or sign agreements with Gold Mining Inc. to be able to acquire these for pennies on the dollar. When I say pennies on the dollar, I'm referring to today, these assets are worth literally, they've already seen almost a 90% decrease in their valuations since the past gold bull market. And remember, the past gold price, when it was hitting its all-time highs around 2010, 2012, we were sitting between 1800 and what, 1980? A little under $2,000 an ounce, right? So now those, the gold price comes down. The prices of these companies collapse. And now here we are again, hitting $1,800 uh, gold. And the c- companies themselves are sitting here at these low, low prices, 90% off of their all-time highs. And I think that is super, super exciting. Now, one last thing I want to talk about is who's investing in the company, because I think that is super, super important. A handful of the companies that are um, in, involved in Gold Mining Inc. are the KCR Fund, JDXJ Van Eck ETF, Ruffer Gold, Extract Capital, Sprott Global, and you guys know I really like Eric Sprott's uh, picks for uh, mining companies. Martin Katusa, if you haven't seen his work, I love his work, check him out, and then Now, here's the big one, too, and and I'm going to put this somewhere in the comments or something to get people's attention, BlackRock Incorporated. BlackRock Incorporated is invested in this company, and we all know what BlackRock owns. They pretty much have their hands in almost everything, but BlackRock is in the business for one thing, making money. And so that's pretty darn impressive. And then last but not least, Oppenheimer um, Holdings is also an investor in this company. So I wanted to show you this company and give you an idea of Uh, yet not only a junior mining company, but a company that has a past of looking into the future. In the past, picking up assets for pennies on the dollar because they knew, just like in the uranium markets, what is today down will tomorrow be up. And what will those valuations of those companies, when they pick them up at rock bottom prices, be in the future as gold starts to take off in a world of crazy, crazy money printing. All right, guys, I hope you got something out of this. I thank you so much for your time. Remember, the Economic Ninja is not a financial professional, not a financial advisor, it's just to do with a brohawk, a dream, and a McDonald's coffee. With That being said, guys, the Economic Ninja is out.